Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, today we hear a story from the book of Acts. And just as a little background, the book of Acts, also known as the Acts of the Apostles, is written about what happened after Jesus departed the earth. Having given his followers the gift of the Holy Spirit, he empowers them to continue his ministry of compassionate love and healing and teaching. And the church is born. Congregations are formed mostly in the form of house churches, small gatherings of Christian disciples, eager and ready and empowered to carry on his love. Dorcas was one of these disciples at that time. We're told that she was devoted to good works and acts of charity. And when she died, her community felt it deeply. And it's a testament to how much love she spread. She was so loved, and the widows that were surrounding her grieved deeply, and they sent disciples to Peter, who was in a nearby town of Lydda, They had heard he had done miraculous things, and going to any measure for Dorcas, they summoned him to come. Widows at that time were among the most vulnerable people in society. In that very patriotic culture, to not have male support could mean death for a woman or a female. So it's likely that perhaps Dorcas was the leader of a house church of these widows. It could be she was a widow herself, And she may have had means to be able to support others. We're told that she made clothing. And when Peter shows up, these weeping, grieving women show Peter all the beautiful clothing that she had made for themselves and for others. When I was a child, this story brings to mind the church I grew up in as a Lutheran in rural West Michigan. Our church had a Dorcas circle, and that term might mean something to you. There are still Dorcas circles today, or Dorcas societies. They got started in the 1800s, and they had their height during that century. And these were circles or groups of women who did acts of charity and kindness and compassion in the name of their namesake, Dorcas, in the name of Jesus. So this story of my church in the Dorcas Circle brought to mind another story I want to share. I've shared in part about this in my time here at Knox. When I was eight years old, my family and I survived our house burning down in the middle of the night. My mom and dad and two sisters and brother. We were all sleeping at the time. And in an instant, we lost almost everything. We give thanks that we were able to survive, and we drove about a mile down to my aunt and uncle's house in nothing but our pajamas on that cold November early morning, I remember. And out there in western Michigan, you can see for miles around, so people could see this house, and they discerned whose it was. And little by little, people started showing up at my aunt and uncle's house with tears and relief and hugs. 
And then as the morning went on, people showed up with food and clothing and more clothing. And what is burned on my memory are bags and bags of donated clothing. For we had only what we were wearing, losing everything else. And one by one, we all poured through those bags until we found clothes that would fit each, each one of us to get us by. Clothing of compassion. Today, as we celebrated the baptisms, during this sacrament, we receive clothing of compassion. The Apostle Paul writes to the Christians in Galatia. He's encouraging them, inspiring them on in their faith. And he says, All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Today's story from Dorcas, who clothed the needy, in my recollection of right after our house fire, all of our church members, likely the Dorcas Circle, and our neighbors who came to clothe us, they did so with the compassion of Christ. Dorcas used her unique gifts as a seamstress to carry out her ministry. But all of us have that clothing on us today, and we all have some way we show the compassion of Christ. Recalling that night with my family, I've been thinking about, as I think about this passage over these weeks, what today would cause me to have to flee my home or to lose everything again? Aside from fire or natural disaster, what else might that be? I'm pretty sure that no matter what happened, I would probably not be left homeless or hungry or without clothing again due to the grace of having a very generous, loving faith community and friends and a supportive family. In the news today, every day, we hear of all kinds of people around the world who are not so fortunate. They are forced to become a refugee due to war and violence and oppression or poverty or famine that leads to starvation. The week after Easter, on the Monday morning, I and one of my sisters and a cousin flew to McAllen, Texas to spend a week volunteering at a Catholic Charities organization called the Humanitarian Respite Center. And this center was established by a woman named Sister Norma, who runs it still. And this established to serve the needs of refugees that are coming into our country through the Mexican border, which is just seven miles from McAllen. Now the three of us did feel a call to go. We were burdened by what we hear on the news. We want to know more. This has been called a political crisis, an economic crisis, a humanitarian crisis. It may be all three. But I will share with you that all three of us are not aligned politically. We do not agree. And even theologically, we have big differences. But what we acknowledge we all have is the same clothing. In our baptism as disciples, we are all wearing the clothing of compassion of Christ. So when the time and space opened up for us to go, we could not deny that it was our time to go and serve. 
Did we go scared? Absolutely. Were we uncomfortable most of the time? Did we learn a lot about the crisis, about the refugees and from the refugees, and about ourselves? Yes, and we're still learning. And were we changed in the process for the better? No doubt. And we're still uncomfortable. And I share this because the story of Dorcas reminds me that we all have gifts to give. The question is, are we willing? We all went uncomfortable and scared. But we tried to trust God and just acted as, as if it would all be okay. And we went. And I want to share a little bit about what's happening there. We, we all have the news. And if you watch 60 Minutes, the day after we returned, on April 28th, there was a short segment that taught me a lot. And it took place at this very area where we were. And they featured the Respite Center and Sister Norma. So you can easily Google it and learn more about what's happening and get some visuals, some video footage. The, the U.S. Border Patrol, just in an overview, picks up the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of refugees that are coming across every day. And they take them to our respite center, the detention center in McAllen. And after starting them on the legal process for asylum seekers, after spending three, four, or more days, it's no longer weeks because there's not the capacity to keep them anymore. So then they put them on buses and they take them to this respite center. And the good news is that the, the volunteers and Sister Norma of this center have a very good relationship with the Border Patrol and ICE. They give thanks for one another. Otherwise, we're not sure where ICE would need to take these people. So they're dropped off by busloads at this center. They stand in line wearing a single layer of clothing. Most things have been taken away from them as they enter the detention center, including their belts and their shoelaces. And mind you that our, our nation knows how to do prison very well. What we're still learning is how to do humanitarian with refugees. This is new. This level is new for our nation. And we're all trying to figure that out. So when they show up, they're desperate for a clean layer of clothing. Some have been traveling for weeks. And to give you an idea of where they're coming from, most for sure during that week we met were coming from Central America, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. But some who cross our border and through that system to this center are coming from Cuba, Venezuela, China, Russia, Africa. It's not necessarily who we think it may be, but anyone who is seeking to live. And you hear amazing stories that are horrific, but the inspiration of these people who have hope. And hope is instilled through this center when they are greeted by volunteers from all over the nation with a hello and a welcome. And the first thing they're given is a bag of toiletries, a nylon backpack, and a big white envelope that on the cover says, please help, I do not speak English. How do I get to either the bus station or the airport terminal? This center helps them get to the airport and bus so that then they may travel 
to where their sponsoring family or relatives are. And after they get their envelope and toiletries, they stand in line for clothing. Our very first day there, when we show up and ready for duty, the first thing we were asked to do was to sort clothing. We were taken to a room that was mounded with bags and bags of donated clothing. And we spent the day sorting through and putting in piles folded neatly of baby, toddler, children, teens, male, female. And then each of those stacks go to a different room. And these people wait in line. Sometimes, you know, people are coming in all day. And a few at a time, they come in. And we help them find clothing that fits them. While I was there, there was a group of teenagers from New Jersey. They go to a Catholic school. And this school brings kids um, regularly to this center. Because as one of the nuns told me, you cannot teach this in the classroom. So these kids were walking alongside with them, serving together, and they're teaching us, they're learning a lot. And one day, this, one of these teens, a girl came up to me, kind of in a hurry, and said, are you a mother? Now sometimes that kind of pings me. I'm not a literal mother, but I know some things. I'm not young. And with her was a young man and a baby and a small child. A lot of families are traveling together, but you also have a lot of dads with kids and moms with kids, not able to bring their whole family. And this dad needed help. He's a new dad. Some of them even need help changing a diaper still. So this dad needed diapers and formula and the right size clothing. So I was able to take them to the right room where my sister was, who is a mother. And she was able to help with the proper things in a heartbeat. Meister Eckhart, the 13th century philosopher, theologian, and mystic, says this, that we are all meant to be mothers of God, for God is always needing to be born. He says, what good is it to me if the birth of the divine son takes place unceasingly but does not take place within me? And what good is it to me if Mary, full of grace, mother of God, is so full of grace, but I am not? I'm not a literal mother, but friends, we are all born to be mothers of God. For God is always needing to be born. At that center, we unpacked bag upon bag of the clothing of compassion and literally clothed people who had nothing. My sister and I, and my my sister, myself, and my cousin, as I said, don't agree on everything, but we do agree that we're called to follow in the footsteps of Christ, who said, go and love and serve everyone who is in need. And God will sort out everything else. That I believe to be true. Back to our story. Peter performs a miracle. The widows show him to Dorcas' body. The first thing he does is kneel and pray. And then he says to Dorcas, wake up. And she stands up with new life. Resurrection, new life. Dorcas and the community of believers rejoice with thanksgiving. 
Pastor Stephen Jones writes, Dorcas will not live forever. She's not immortal, and neither is Peter, and neither are we. So the emphasis of the story is not upon a return from death, but it is upon a community who's been breathed new life into and takes their spiritual strength and resources, their clothing of compassion, and once again seeks to clothe the naked and help all who are in need. Friends, we each give birth to God. That happens with abundance here at Knox Church through each and every one of you. This is one of our healing hands quilts. Many of you participate each year in creating these, led by Lori Cahall and Pam Kersey and others. It's very common that when I and Pastor Adam and our pastoral care team make hospital visits or visit people in rehab, that we will already find one of these gracing the bed or the lap of the person who is ill. This quilt is made from some of your hands that have been traced and painted, and it's made with a lot of prayer. This is clothing of compassion. Some of you volunteer serving our homeless people who truly need everything through Interfaith Hospitality Network or through Madisonville Education and Assistance Center, another mission partner of Knox, where they give food and clothing and social work attention to those in need, our neighbors right down the street. There's a new friendship mentoring ministry between Knox and Third Presbyterian, an opportunity for any of us to walk alongside a teenager from a troubled neighborhood on the west side who just needs some support and love and guidance. Some of you are involved in a mentoring ministry through Norwood School that serves a lot of refugees, spending maybe an hour a week just sitting with a refugee child, helping with homework, helping them navigate this strange new land. And on and on, the ministries here through you, the ministries of compassion, are carried out as you clothe one another with Christ's love. Friends, faith without works is dead, James writes. And remember that Peter knelt and prayed before he carried out his ministry of compassion to breathe new life into Dorcas. And even if we take five minutes each morning in contemplation to sit in silence and say, God, here I am, I'm listening, that's a chance for God to fill us up again. And we're more apt than to lead with our day in love rather than any kind of fear we may have. And acts of compassion grow when we grow our contemplative practices. So we encourage you to practice. Start even a minute a day. Or join us Saturday for our mindful morning and, and learn some more about that. Then we lead with love. And we do, as Peter said to Dorcas, we stand up, arise, and go stand with the vulnerable and the alone, stand up to injustice. And the God of compassion goes with us. And may Dorcas continue to inspire as we trust that Christ goes with us every step of the way. Thanks be to God. Amen.